0: Hello and welcome to Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The challenges around climate change and the contribution of agriculture to greenhouse gas emissions are very significant. The livestock sector is the largest greenhouse gas emitter within the sector and significant changes are needed to reduce the gases. For the tillage enterprise, the challenge is not as great as tillage is a low emitter of greenhouse gases, roughly eight times lower than a dairy enterprise when measured on a per hectare basis. However, there's always areas where every farm can improve. And this year, Chaga set up a network of farms under the banner of the signpost farms to demonstrate how these farms can become more sustainable and have less impact on the environment around them. There are a number of tillage farms in the network, and we will meet many of them on the podcast over the next few months. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Tierney, a tillage farmer in North Kildare, and his tillage advisor, Ivan Whitman. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Tom, I first want to come to you. Tom, you might outline for the farm structure in terms of owned and leased land and how fragmented your land is and also the major crops in your rotation.
1: I own 180 acres, uh, 30 planted in forestry year 2000, uh, 60% diverse. Um, the remaining of that farm is, is in cereals, mixed rotation cereals with about uh, seven acres in permanent grass and four acres in a kind of a permanent clover for cereal cropping in. Just some little bit of trial work I'm doing. Um, then what I do is I, I lease a further 70 acres in my own right. And then I farm another 170 acres of cereals in a partnership arrangement. Yeah. Um, all crops are grown. Winter barley, oats, oilseed, rape, beans, winter and spring crop rotation.
0: So, Tom, you you have a lot of crops in your rotation
1: there. Do you have a typical rotation on your farm? Um, I don't have a typical rotation. I have a flexible rotation. So it it changes when needs. most like, you know, weather or... um, uh, My ideal rotation would be a cereal break, cereal break, you know, uh, alternate years. But there isn't enough break crop options, you know.
0: And in terms of a cereal crop, are you trying to maximise wheats or barleys or are you trying to max a particular one in your rotation
1: no it can be it can be winter wheat or spring wheat depending on the growing season and uh, um, the the weather etc um, it can be spring barley molten or spring barley feed or, or winter barley you know um, no i don't have any specific uh, i don't think you can because sooner or later you're gonna look every other year uh last year a week winter wheat was the main crop on the farm you know this year it happens to be winter barley uh, two years ago it was winter beans you know it varies
0: so with having that, that, that sort of flexibility in terms of crops Tom your what sort of soil do you have it must be pretty flexible enough and do you have a pretty good handle on on, on the fertility of your of your ground
1: um well the whole the, the home farm is a tail loam. it's an out series tail loam. Uh, soil tests i do them routinely every two or three years ph uh, is in the six and a half to seven range with my system of farming which it suits like no-till um, regarding the uh, fertility soil fertility I'm, I'm more interested in 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 soil health or soil resilience than i am in soil fertility um, in other words i, I would aim to farm a soil that's resilient to weather events has good or improving organic matter content and a healthy and diverse soil biome by using minimum disturbance drilling cover crops rotation organics etc you know
0: obviously you you moved away from the plow some time ago How, how long ago was that and um you know what sort of steps did you take did you did you jump straight into you mentioned direct drilling there did you jump straight into it or have you had a, a, a transition phase, if you like, between
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Um, So in 2015, uh, I, I um, got a, a demonstration demonstrator drill from New Zealand. So it, it was a Duncan Tyne drill, um, a no-till drill. Uh, so I had it for 12 months on trial on the farm, and I bought it in the 11th month. Um, it made no sense to me not to direct drill. It was lower... Fuel use, lower work hours, higher output, lower cost, lower soil disturbance, and then you do have the advantage of uh, carbon sequestration instead of carbon release as with a plowing system. So, yeah, I, I ran that drill for a year, and then I switched to uh, a Duncan no-till drill disc drill, which is even less disturbance than a time drill. Um, with with those with those um, considerations in mind, you know. I switched to um a, a lower disturbance drill yeah
0: okay all right so so that's it the system has obviously been working reasonably well maybe with the hiccups up and down but obviously it's it's working pretty well for you so far Tom
1: yeah 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 no I haven't looked back um you, you need you you just need to um to 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 adopt to a different way of farming um less is more in a in a lot of sense um your 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 farming system has to change. The, the drill isn't uh, look. Uh, I know. I always say to people when they're looking at no till drills and ask me which drill should I get. I never say um, get a tine drill or get 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 a disc drill. I I always say to them it's it's the fourth step. It's not the first step. You know. You have to have your rotation. You have to have cover crops, and you have to do. Um um, you have to try and build up organic matter in your soil site, You know so when you have those three um um goals happening on your farm you can then uh step into no-till drill in 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 as with as little shock to the system as possible like you know
0: okay okay i think i might just bring you in here now just for a second you're obviously advising a lot of farmers across kildare um do you see a a general shift away from a plow based system with some of your farming clients
2: Probably thirty to forty percent of my clients now at this stage are operating either fully a fully till or direct drill based system or or partially depending on the season michael and I suppose much of that has been driven by the by the lack of available labor and the fact that you can get you can get a lot of acres put in in a short space of time there with with either of those systems but also a lot of those farmers over the last ten 15 years, Michael, have moved into rotations there with oilseed rape and beans. And uh, they tend to lend itself to the till direct drill based systems as well. Um, those clients would also be looking an awful lot more in depth at, at their actual soil health. So they're looking at using organic manures as alternatives to bag P and K. They're looking at earthworm counts. And, be, and also, I suppose, to be focusing on becoming a more sustainable farming unit with more of an emphasis on the environment as well so Ivan as regards those farms who are
0: I suppose either in transition or transitioned away from play-based system is there an area or two that you've seen as an advisor that you've seen improving on those farms and I
2: suppose equally on the other side are there areas that are of a bit of concern to you those farmers of a similar nature to Tom there that have moved into minimum tillage or direct drilling uh, the two big areas that those type of farmers have focused on there over the last decade is actually crop rotations and actually nutrient management planning try and you use what machinery is in the yard to establish the crops as as quickly and and to try and also i suppose from a nutrient management point of view michael they're bringing in a good bit of organic manures there from piggeries from Uh, Dairy local dairy farmers and I suppose up in the northeast where where I'm located mushroom compost and poultry litter has has important roles to play on those farms as well. I suppose if you're looking at the negatives of of moving into this kind of a system right, the big area Michael is actually grass weed control so I suppose since the TAMS grants have come on there um, a lot of farmers would have been avail of upgrading their sprayers so Grassweed control has, um, with, with, GPA, with a GPS-based system, grassweed control has been, become, um, I suppose, look, lads are able to focus on it better because we're to use pre-emergence there with, with the GPS-based systems. So th- th- that's the starting point um, to try and control that negative one in grassweed, with the grassweed issue. Okay, and can I ask you a
0: similar kind of question that, because Tom is obviously your client for some time now and you've watched his transition over, over the years. In a similar question, have you seen positives
2: um, on, on on Tom's farm from your perspective? Well, Tom is no different to a lot of the a lot of the farmers that I'm dealing with. Like, he he's focusing big time on on um, soil soil health and soil nutrition. He's soil sampling there every three to four years. Um, he was a participant in REPS. He's a participant in Gloss. So in the in the current Gloss scheme, there he's he's, he's growing ca- uh, cover crops. He's incorporating that into his rotation. As a tillage farmer, he's good at forward planning um, in terms of actually planning his rotations in his fields because it can become a little bit complicated when you're trying to work both oilseed rape and beans on the same farm, particularly with the, the simple fact that you no longer have basagram there to use on on beans to control oilseed rape. He's he's bringing in some organic manures, so like they're they're all the positives, and like as well as that, like he, he he's a well, he's farming in partnership with gordon lucas down the road a lot of the time he's spent on his own but with both parties have their own individual responsibilities on the farm
0: okay uh, tom to come back to you again um uh, organic manures has been mentioned a few times um are, are you bringing in organic manures onto your farm and I, I suppose have you always been bringing them in or was that prompted by the change in in your system over the last number of years
1: um yeah so i i do bring in uh organic manure in the form of mushroom compost and quite close to the mushroom compost factory in Carberry. So it fits, you know. Um, But have I always been using organic manure? No. Uh, Prior to 2015, I was applying a one pass monocropping, high synthetic end production cereals and the land was getting harder to work. So for me, I suppose this was my catalyst for change. I could see it was a destructive system, you know, I changed I could see an increase in worm population so I talk about ways of improving worm population activity OM organic matter is is part of that equation improving the soil health and that's that's my aim you know.
0: Okay and obviously the 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 worms in the soil health is 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 a big part of the of what you're trying to do there but bringing in organic manures in Ireland can be tricky I suppose sometimes especially when it gets wet. How do you manage to, uh, spreading out those organic manures without damaging soils, or, or um, I suppose maybe in a more general sense, uh, in terms of trying to prevent compaction on your on your farm? How are you coping with that?
1: Well, soil compaction is not a severe issue in in no till practice properly, um, so it it, it wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't manifest the same as it would in, in a typical system of over tilled or overworked soils driven on with heavy machinery. Um, but I, I try to avoid soil compaction with machinery as much as possible. Um, so firstly, that will be a lack of field passes, you know, direct drilling only, uh, when it comes to drilling headlands, I do eight headland runs instead of a typical tree and I do loops on headlands, no twisting or turning. And, Sometimes I drill the headlands first before I drill the main part of the field. Other times I drill it last. It just depends on the year and how wet the year is. Um, I never drill in the same direction year in, year out when I'm drilling. Uh, I alter the drill run by 30 degrees, alternating every other year. Um, so the tractor wheels, when drilling, are never running in the same ground. And, and the drill creates a small bit of field levelling action also. Like. um I don't put in tram lines when I'm drilling. So the field is is green from hedge to hedge, uh, yet the tram lines are in the same place from uh, the first year of back when I started in no-till, uh, thanks to GPS, you know? So uh, multi-species, diverse cover crops and diverse roots fix compaction, you know? And I, I, I would say roots, not iron, you know? Um, if you're not in the field with the iron and you're not doing heavy tillage, you won't do compaction it's as simple as that
0: and as you mentioned cover crops there just to come to that you've you, you use um various different species as part of what you put in um how do you approach i suppose choosing what species you, you you you're going to put into the mix from year to
1: year it's it's very simple the more diverse it is the better so uh like five six seven way species mix are 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 better than uh, um like, look, the whole idea is not to be monocropping. <clears throat> so, if, if you're not to be monocropping, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be doing diverse cropping, you know. So, uh, the cover crops will have a five or six way species mix uh, of varying different types of of root lengths within them, like you know. But I'm 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 convinced that uh, the job cover crops do. I'm I'm so convinced of what they do. I'm now companion cropping uh, winter oilseed rape with a five way multi-species of covers, you know, and I'm, I'm variety mixing winter barley this year, next year I'll be variety mixing winter wheats. All, it, all based around seeing the benefits of, of root mass in multi-species cover crops, you know. Yeah, like if you, if you dig, if you go out to the field and dig and, and look at the root uh, um, uh, mass that you see, um, you'll see the diversity that it brings like, and it keeps your soil full of a, a multi-species biome mix then as well.
0: I presume in the, in the, on that you're, you're seeing the benefits in the kind of the main crops that you have in your rotation then in terms of um, the harvest, I suppose, really kind of, kind of what, what, what you're trying to make a living on.
1: I've seen no drop off. Uh, last year, winter wheat did 4.2 and 4.6. Now that's on the back of a really good crop in year anyway. So, but they're respectable yields no matter what sort of system you have.
0: Very much so, Ivan. Can I bring you back in just for for a second? Um, and and certainly listening to Tom there, he he certainly has a very keen interest in, in in soil health and the environment in general. Um, in terms of advising him, how does that translate, or have you seen a translation of that into to the use of less plant protection products, or maybe are the those products used in a better way on the farm?
2: Yeah, Michael. Um, Tom's mindset has probably changed considerably in the last. 10 or 15 years, and he was discussing there like growing uh, companion crop and uh, companion crops with, with his oilseed rape. But if you look at that from a point of view of use, losing less plant protection products, he's, he's using those companion crops to actually mask the actual oilseed rape as it becomes established there in the, in the autumn time from cabbage stem flea beetle because he doesn't want to use an insecticide. So now when we roll the actual, um, into December, he has facilia in his, in his crop of oilseed rape that's higher than the crop of oilseed um, rape itself. So that's actually stopping the pigeons now grazing the actual oilseed rape. So he's holding on to the nitrogen that he has actually captured. So his, Which will translate into a lesser requirement of nitrogen on that crop now next spring. Um, he mentioned that he's sowing t- uh, dual varieties there in winter wheat and winter barley. He's been doing that there himself for the last two years, and that's to try and um, use the strengths of two varieties rather than one variety uh, against actually your common diseases. He's bringing in organic manures there to build resilience in the soil, so as the actual um, cereal crops that he's growing um, are under less pressure from disease. Like we, we know from Oak Park research that Ramellaria, for one, like is uh, stress-induced. So if he's using organic manures in the soil, and bringing in using the trace elements coming through from the actual organic manures as well. He's um he's ticking a box there with a number of th- a number of areas. And I suppose across every crop as well, Michael. Um Tom made the decision there five years ago to use insecticides across the whole farm. And he only uses uh slow pellets in isolated rape um when he'd get four four slugs under each trap, otherwise he won't use them. And um I suppose look from a point of view of um yes he's using a, a he's using good rates on herbicides because he knows the importance of getting good and your metagrass control and uh wild oak control and sterile brome control as well and also he's actually bringing in different actives there from the gluminicide uh pack side of the house to control his sterile brome when he's growing oilseed rape and beans um in the rotation as well so look he's using lots of different ipm measures there to try and Move away from using less of the actual chemicals,
0: and Ivan, would it be reasonable to suggest or, or not? I'm not sure now. That um, and, and and again, you're looking at Tom from the outside as much as anything else, being his advisor. That um Tom is uh, perhaps more connected to, to 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 what he's doing in terms of the change of practice, um, but also maybe with that more willing to take a risk, perhaps in the in in the ways farming uh, as in a a more calculated risk if you know what I mean there isn't maybe as much um in insurance as the conventional farmer might build in with the plant protection
2: products yeah look I suppose from a like Tom definitely doesn't have um a fully fully comp insurance policy on his farm there's no point in saying otherwise so like he is prepared to take a risk um because he he farms with nature on its side so when he's doing that he has to take a risk like he's he's not pushing for the last ten or fifteen percent of yield, either, Michael. So, look, he he he's not a casual farmer. Everything is worked out in his head, and he has a certain approach to farm to make a profit, but also look after what's in the what's in the field. So he he leaves something behind for the next generation coming on. Because when you go out on his farm and you look at, he's he's a, he's a sizable equity share of forestry. He has a field allocated there to the all Ireland pollinator strip. He, and he's he's taken an awful lot lot of boxes there with crop rotations and he's and he's doing his best as well like um and from from talking to him there and I'd like to think when he's coming across on on this re- podcast that look people will come to his farm to see what he's at because he, tom's a a very likable character and uh very approachable and he, he's he has he has made mistakes and he's not afraid to talk about the mistakes but he's also he'll guide people to prevent them from making the same mistakes as well. So like he's, a, he, he's, um, he's ahead of his time and he's, he's a gentleman to work with.
0: Well, uh, Tom, to bring you back in, that's a, that's a great compliments from your advisor there. So um, uh, that's, that's certainly uh, hopefully everyone in the podcast is, is getting that enthusiasm for Ivan. From Ivan about your farm, but can I ask you, when Ivan came and approached you to be a signpost farmer, did he did it take much convincing for for you to to become that signpost farmer? And maybe I suppose finally for people who are listening to, to, to the podcast and who I think will be enthused by by what you're doing there, and hopefully they get they will get an opportunity to to visit your farm in in the coming year. Is there an area or one or two areas of particular interest do you think in your farm that people will be of, of um you're really interested in and and there, there's a real take-home message on it
1: i suppose the first part of the question did i take much convincing uh no ivan's very convincing <laughs> um very good um look at uh, no tail is, is a new concept ireland and it was tried before and um it failed but our understanding of soil life and soil soil health is different now than it was then so i i think um you know um the system works for me uh i think if people come and have a look i'd say to them uh bring two things a spade and an open mind you know um and we'll go and look at crops and look at um soil and see what there is to be seen
0: tom and ivan thank you very much for your time it's been uh A really interesting podcast and i think people are going to get a lot from it and um wish both of you a very happy christmas thanks michael thanks michael so that's it for the tillage edge and my thanks to tom and ivan for joining me on the podcast as the new year beckons we will have a podcast to look forward to 2022 and try and map out areas to watch out for and areas which you should look forward to so make sure you tune in for that finally don't forget if you like the podcast then recommend it to a friend or colleague and as always rate review and subscribe on apple podcast or spotify so, you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy, thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.